go. And we're go. Well, I just want to pray to start us off. Yes. Um, Dad, we just thank you so much for tonight. We just thank you for everything that you've already done for this evening and um, that you're going to continue to do. And so I just pray that um, you would just leave Matt and I and what we're supposed to say and what we're supposed to talk about so that everything is just all about you. And I'm so excited um, to finish Ezekiel 34 and the revelation that you've given Matt and I. And it's going to be really good. And we love you. Who's here? Who was present for teaching two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Okay, cool. Sweet. Cool. So, this is part two. Yeah. But do not be alarmed because we have a recap for everyone who was not here. Yeah. <laughs> I am alarmed. So, just to. I don't know why I said that. It's um, so just so you guys are all on the same page, we essentially just focused on Ezekiel 34, and reading verse by verse and kind of providing commentary that we have read or things we've talked about, um, and it's really good, but we're not done, we, fin- we haven't finished it yet. Um, so just for everybody who wasn't here, here's a few main points that we went over from Ezekiel 34. Um, we established that... God has a spiritual, a mandate for spiritual leaders in the church, um, and for spiritual leaders in the families, and how they should properly care for their families and their flocks. Like, there's spiritual evidence of Jesus and the Lord saying, this is how you should take care of my sheep. And in Ezekiel 34, he uses the phrases like feeding, you know, taking care of them, strengthening the diseased, healing the sick, binding up the broken. Um, bringing back those who were driven away, all of that jazz, like really taking care of every part of the flock. Um, However, we also see in Ezekiel 34 and in our personal lives that we've had leaders who have fallen short of that, who have not done the best job, who have disappointed us, they just were not the right fit. Um, And instead of doing exactly what was mandated in the word, they ruled with cruelty and with force and were really focused on their own personal gain. Whether it be their own volition or they were just ignorant. Because sometimes that happens, you know, people who just aren't self-aware. Um, so we also talked about and were that uh, the sheep that ran away from any form of leadership after that and went on their own, it did not get better for them. <laughs> it leave them exposed to destruction from all sides. Yeah. And so we recognize that that as a uh, coping mechanism is not what God has in mind at all. Because then that means we're not covered at all by anybody, and it just gets worse. Um, we also recognize and talk about that Jesus, along with the Father, alone are the ones who deal and judge with these shepherds that have fallen short. It's not our job. It's not our role. And we are actually supposed to have compassion for these people and be praying for them because that they messed up. It's a big deal. Um, And then the biggest point that we ended on that was really helpful was no matter what hurt we had experienced from individuals, from church leadership, from family members, of anyone who was supposed to lead us and didn't do it well or protect us and didn't protect us, that Jesus will always stand in the gap and take back his children. Always. And when someone is being hurt, he knows, and he he takes it upon himself to correct the situation. And so he's always been there. 
he always was, and he will take care of it. And that's kind of how we ended it. So what we really would like to do is, first of all, this was like a lot to kind of unpack in one evening, is just check in with everybody. Um, You know, because we said, you know, please read the rest of Ezekiel 34, read Psalm 23, you know, talk, learn about Jesus, your shepherd. Um, So how is everyone feeling, (laughs) essentially, after two weeks of just kind of marinating and Sitting on this, um, how you doing? Great, great. Yeah, great. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Like, I've gotten over a lot of church like hurts, but just the thought of like Jesus taking it personally it's just such a big deal to me because I, I've gotten over those hurts and I like to help people with that stuff because I have been through it. Yeah. But I've never had like something as clear as day like that. So yeah. Yeah. It's helped me like a ton. That's so good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, like the first week or you know, right after you guys had taught, I like read it pretty that passage like almost every day. Yeah. And it, I just felt like the father like just putting a warm like. Yeah, some of the stuff that you guys are saying like stuck out to you about it. Like that's kind of my favorite part of the whole thing is, you know, when we shared last week that like when when God's sheep are not shepherded properly, he is literally personally offended by that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's so so and he takes cool. it upon himself. And he, yeah, he takes it upon himself great. to correct the yeah. situation. And I think that's that's so awesome. And that's why I'm, I'm, I know I'm going off script here a little bit, but that's why one of my favorite one of my favorite parts of this is like in uh, in verse 15 and 16, uh, or starting verse 14, he says, "I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be in the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down," says the Lord. And here's the part. It says, I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was what was sick. I will destroy the fat and strong and feed them in judgment. Everything that he says he is going to do are the exact same things that he commanded his shepherds to do on his behalf for his flock, and they failed at. So he comes along upon the failure, and after prophesying against the shepherds their destruction, and said, you guys failed. I'm taking up this mantle. Yeah. I'm making this right. right. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so good. Yeah. That's, I love that because he's saying, like, he's chasing us down and saying, every single hurt that you've experienced, I'm going to bind it up. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to bring restoration to every single yeah. thing. And it's like, no detail is left un, unnoticed. Yeah. And that's what I love about it is the like exact comparison of the two. Yeah. Um, this is what you didn't receive. Here's what I will provide. Yeah. Yeah. So. You just want to kind of start going through the, the second half of the chapter? Yeah. So this, the focus for tonight is really, we really just want to um, finish the chapter. But what you'll see is the focus of this chapter is really Jesus the Restorer. Of really going into depth of Him. 
and how he's going to chase us down. He's going to do all of the work to really finish his work of deliverance. And one thing I think is very important is when we have scriptures like this where they're very, like, good, and it's like, he will do this and he will do this, it's really easy to just read over them very quickly and just be like, yeah, yeah, that's really good. But, like, I just thought it's important to take time to just pause and think about what is this actually saying and how he will take care of you and how he will bless you and how he will protect you. It's really good to just sit and think about it because it's all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. It is. So we're going to just jump right in. So if you have your Bibles open to Ezekiel 34, we're going into Ezekiel 34 tonight. Just realize it. Um, can someone read verses 11 through 14 for me, please? Thank you. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among the scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in the good pasture, and their fold shall be the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. So that's just like, you could just sit with that and just be like, that's so good. That takes care of, he's going to, if I'm lost, he's going to find me. Mm -hmm. If I've gotten myself lost, he's going to find me. If I've gotten myself stuck, he's going to come deliver me. Mm-hmm. And if I've gotten myself out of whack and I'm just completely lost from people, everything, he will find me and, stop and bring me back to a place. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's Because it will steal it. Mm-hmm. It will. Yep. So, 
you cannot be at peace and rest while still holding on to those things. And that's why the enemy wants to constantly remind you of that. Constantly bring the record of wrongs. Because the more that you think about that, the less you're in peace. Because you've got your flashcards. And so I find it really great and interesting because Jesus knows that. He said, I have already placed you in a place of peace. You're already there. So stop meditating on what the leaders didn't do and start meditating on where you actually are right now, which is a good place. Yeah. A place where I have placed you. Yeah. So one of, one of the things that I think is really important about this <coughs> is if we are going to be good sheep, <laughs> yeah. part of part of Jesus' flock, that requires you know us to trust in Him more than we trust in the experiences of our past, yeah. and that's so important because you know He says that He's going to do all these things for His flock, but that requires us being submitted to Him <laughs> as part of His flock. Yeah, you know and. We, we can't hold on to past hurt. If he, if he tells us he's going to cause us to lie down and, and to have peace, we have to be willing to follow along, right? And holding on to that past bitterness and to those experiences and allowing those to define our lives moving forward is in direct opposition to what he's trying to do for you. So, Joyce Myers has a really short quote that I love. is that there is a difference between fact and truth. So facts are you have experienced circumstances that were maybe subpar. You've experienced disappointments, but what is the truth? The truth is that God will work all things together for the good of those who love Him and whatnot. All that jazz. Like so, it's 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 good to identify the difference between what is fact and what is actually true because sometimes circumstances are not yet paired up with truth yet. says the Lord God. Behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep between rams and goats. It is too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture and to have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul that you must foul the residue with your feet. And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet. And they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep, because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock. They shall, not, they shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. Thank you. So again, it's another section where he's talking again to the leader saying, you have disappointed me yet again. Mm -hmm. 
But then he's also saying to sheep, do not worry, I am the one that will sort the goats from the sheep. And this is actually a parable that gets described a lot. And Matt, do you want to talk about yeah, this that is, specific section? Yeah, this is actually a, a prophetic reference to the sheep and goat judgment in Matthew 25. Um, which is really interesting. So, so just to give a little backstory, I think we gave some of this, uh, some of this last week. But just to refresh you guys' memory, like this entire section of, of chapters in in Ezekiel is in many ways uh, prophetic as to the nation of Israel in terms of the time period surrounding Christ's second coming. Uh, which is awesome, and there's a lot of there's a lot of clues about that just in these passages that that we're reading. Like in verse 12, um, he talks about uh, as a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. If you if you research uh, that phrase out, cloudy and dark day, and look at look at all the cross references, like in your blue letter Bible, you'll find that 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 specific idiom is always referencing the second coming of Christ, the day of the Lord, which is awesome. The day that he comes back to establish his, his reign on the earth for the millennium, which is really, really cool. And in that, in that moment, in that experience, what happens is he gathers all of the nation of Israel back to him that have been scattered out to, to live in the wilderness and hide for fear of you know, being killed in the tribulation. Which is it's it's so so cool to just do that study out on your own and stuff. It's really really cool. So this this we we get the heart of God for us in this passage, which is amazing, and we can apply it directly to our lives specifically. But even more directly, this is about Israel and about His prophetic plan for redeeming them from their terrible circumstances that that they are going to experience in the tribulation you know, uh, circumstances that they're experiencing at that time because they've rejected God. But when they call out for him to come back and redeem them, he is coming back to save them, which is so, so cool. It's so redemptive and it's so amazing. Um, And so there's so many other like little pieces like that that you guys can pick up and and, uh, find. But the other one that that we're on right now is, is this passage that's a reference to the sheep and goat judgment, which... Which verse was it in again? It's in uh, verse... 18. Yeah, 20... Uh, 17? 17. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I will judge between sheep and sheep, yeah. between rams and goats. That's that's another reference. The, the sheep and goat judgment in Matthew 25 occurs on that day when Christ comes back and to establish His rule and reign on the earth. And if you actually want to, we can go there and I'll read it really quick. It's just It's just super quick and you'll get the flavor of it. Um, flavor. flavor. The flavor. We need the flavor. The flavor. The flavor. The flavor. Yes. It starts in Matthew chapter 25, starts in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of glory. So this is this is a reference of, of his second coming to to take his place on his throne and rule and reign on the earth. All nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. 
I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it uh, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Uh, and then he goes on and basically he says, you know, this, the same the same thing to the goats, but in the, in the opposite way. He's like, you know, you didn't you didn't feed me. You didn't do any of these. You know, depart from me. Uh, I never knew you. That that type of thing. And so this this is exactly what's being referenced in Ezekiel 34. All of those all of those shepherds that were you know um, mis misleading the flock. All of all of those uh, individuals that were a part of the nation that were you know, uh, trampling on the weak and on the, on the lower, you know, the lower echelons of society and stuff like that. Those are the people that he's counting as goats. Those are the people that don't get to inherit the kingdom. And so what this means for us is, you know, when we're, when we're mistreated and, and all, this type of, all the type of stuff that, you know, the nation of Israel experienced from their leaders, it's God's handling it, man. Just yeah. let it go. He's got it under control. And we get to inherit what he has for us in the end. So there is no sense in in holding on to bitterness and holding on to to any sort of, of, you know, remnant of of that in our hearts where we just can't let go of that stuff. Because, look, he's got it under control. He is taking his throne and he is going to judge and and enact justice that that is required of him because it is in his nature. And so... Just let it go. Seriously. Like, let God do what God does and handle the situation. Because he has a plan. He's already prophesied exactly what's going to happen. So you can have peace. And that's so good. That's so good. He's big picture and small picture. Yeah. So that's what I love about this chapter in particular. Because it is addressing, like, circumstances of the Median Babylonian. About, you know, in Babylonian captivity. They're they're currently current. When this was written, they are captive in yes. Babylon. Right. So they are captive and experiencing mistreatment at the hands of the Babylonians as well as their spiritual leaders. Right. But then they also have the big picture in the greater scheme of things, which is really cool because it's God's not only focused on the small but also the large. Yeah. And I want to say something really fun about verse twenty-two. That this is just me. But I thought it was cute. This, he will say, Therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge between cow and cattle. And when I read this, God and I were having a little joke of, you know, no longer being a prey. Um, God was like, I've changed the food chain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what he was saying. is because prey means you are like low. Yeah, on yeah. The, the bottom of the food chain. Like you have no defense. You are getting you were getting trampled, you got nothing to defend yourself, no claws, no nothing, you are like, out. Um, but he said, you know, when I come, I rearrange the food chain so that my people are no more consumed, they are no more attacked, but they are safe from people, things, and circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I just hear him being like, I've changed the game. Like, because I can. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so good. It's That's exactly... That idiom is carried all throughout Scripture. Like the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Yeah. Like all of all of that stuff, um, it, it's all in there. So yeah, yeah. it's really good.
Yes. Can you read verses 23 through 25 for me? Yes. <clears throat> it says, I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them, and cause wild beasts to cease from the land, and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Mm. I love this way covenant of peace sounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that he's not saying, like, I'm going to make sure that nothing ever happens. Yeah. But you can know that no matter what, you have made a covenant of peace with me, and I will deliver it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we have a reference of a safe environment again. So, like, letting him lead you to the optimal environment that he has created for you to thrive. Yeah. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I, I hear that again. I think about Jesus sleeping on the boat in the midst of the storm. It didn't even rattle him. And so he's saying, you don't even have to be in a house. You don't even have to be under a covering. You can sleep and be at peace no matter where you are. Because of the covenant of peace that I have made with you, you are good. And yeah. I love that. That means, like, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter who you're with, you are covered. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one, there's one piece about this passage that can be confusing because it references David, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was and ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at the time when this book was written, when Ezekiel was written, David was long gone. Like he had long died. Um, and so when it references David here, uh, everybody, you guys turn real quick to um, Jeremiah chapter 23. And this is going to give you this this passage in Jeremiah is like directly parallel to what we're reading in terms of like uh, what God is prophesying. And so you're you're going to catch you're going to catch this, and it's going to make total sense as soon as we read it. So this is about this is about David, the reference to David in Ezekiel 34, like verses 23 and 24. Um, so Jeremiah 23, the beginning of the chapter, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Same stuff we've been talking about. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Against the shepherd who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Um, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. So this is exactly the same thing, talking about the exact same stuff. In verse 5 it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. And so what what is being referenced when he references David is a branch of David. Someone that came from David's line and is going to sit on David's throne. And so by saying David, he is saying Jesus. Really cool. I just, I don't know, I like seeing those connections and stuff in scripture. Really, really cool. Yeah. So that doesn't have to be confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. 100%. And another cool thing that I've learned some from some teachings that 
that I've been listening to and some of these guys have been listening to is um, <clears throat> when Jesus comes back in his second coming to establish his, his reign on the earth like we've been talking about, he is finally going to sit on the throne of David. There's all there's prophecies in Scripture, a prophecy specifically given to Mary by the angel Gabriel before Jesus was born, saying that Jesus would sit on the throne of David. While he was here on the earth, he never did. The throne of David wasn't there, it wasn't around. But the throne of David will exist when he returns to establish his reign, which is so cool. And so that is a prophecy yet to be fulfilled that is being talked about right here in referencing David. Yeah. Awesome. I just love this chapter so much. So, um, I can't remember if we read 26 or 27 yet. Let's nope. just go ahead and do it then. Nope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> verse 26, I will make I will make them in the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. So now we definitely know we're talking about Jesus because we've heard the reference of David, and we've heard Jesus, and we've heard him talk about the Lord. So we've got Father God, Jesus, and then Jesus again as David. Mm -hmm. um, and it's wonderful. It's so good. But like through 26 and 27, what I see is this is like the promise of freedom. Mm -hmm. And something that was very interesting is definitely in verse 27, all of this is in past tense. No. Well, not all of it, but... Well, the, 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 the end part, yes. The end, the end part, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. When I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves of them. Like, it's not well, being delivered. Well, it says, when I have broken oh, the I bands. See. So when, it, it is, he's, yeah. That's so okay. when that's happened and when I have delivered. So it is like a future tense thing. That's true. But it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. That's good. I love that he's breaking the bands of their yoke and delivering them out of the hand. So again, it's him going to find us in that slavery, that torment and bondage, and purposely break it, purposely free us yeah. from it. Um, does somebody want to read verse 28 and 29, please? And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall, be, nor shall beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up from them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles anymore. Mm -hmm. So, I love it when it says no more, no one. There leaves no room for doubt. Maybe yeah. see those. Yeah. They shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. Yeah. They shall no more be consumed with hunger, and they will experience no more shame from their oppressors. I love that. Have we agreed to this kind of degree of freedom in our lives? Do we experience fear? No more, no one, no man makes us afraid. We're not consumed with what am I going to eat today? What am I going to wear today? How am I going to get food? Like, how am I going to have a house? Consumed with daily provisions. No more shame when someone said something that rejected you. 
or you did something that you felt like you shouldn't have. This is freedom from all of that bondage. That no more, no more, let it go. Let it be gone. Yeah. It's so good. And then they, mm. do you have anything to add to that? You said that, mm, it sounded like a thoughtful one. <laughs> um, <laughs> not really. I mean, I, I totally agree that it's, it's, the emphasis is on, there are no exceptions to this rule. If yeah. you, if you agree to like, again, become one of the flock and to like actually be a part of, of what God is trying to do and be yeah. one of those sheep and not a goat, like to, to commit yourself to, to being a part of that. This is the promise that is for you. Yeah. And you can have so much hope. Like it, this is this kind of plays into some of the stuff that I've I've really been like focusing on, and we've talked about before, like several weeks ago, about having like an eternal perspective, right. right? Focusing on the fact that you know there are so many promises that God has for us that are beyond this reality that we know here today, and you know this the stuff that He's talking about in in, in this passage is is part of that reality that extends beyond this earth, but it can start here. It can start here. You know, if if we commit ourselves to to being a part of his flock and allowing him to lead us as our shepherd, um, and and like actually placing ourselves in in the Psalm 23 context, you know, like David did. So So I'm just going to read the last two chapters, two verses of this chapter. Chapters. Whoa! <laughs> I just gonna some light reading. <laughs> Thus they shall know that I, the Lord, am their God, and with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. And you, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. I love that after all of this, after all of the reproach of the shepherds, after all of him declaring his promises of provision to his people, he seals it with an identity. Yeah. Yeah. You are not lost. Yeah. You are my sheep. Right. I have created you as mine. Not only are you my sheep, but you are also the house of Israel is mine. Also, that you are men and you are mine. He like fully seals the identity of who we are. We are not lost. We are not wandering. We are, do not need an owner. Because we have one who has counted each one of us and has said, this is mine. These are who I am. Yeah. Um, David Guzik, who wrote a commentary on this um, chapter, is really, really good. But one of his quotes that I love from this commentary is, You are men made in the image of God, but you are capable of so much more than sheep. Yeah. So yes, we're described as sheep here, but that doesn't mean we're the dumb sheep. Yeah. Yeah. We have power and authority and brains to right. operate with our shepherd to help bring this about within our community but then have other people bring this about outside of the community with other bodies which is so exciting yeah we have been firmly established as god's chosen people we're not missing out on anything we're not missing out on something that he has missed he has not provided for us or he is not going to give us 
because he just said all of the things that he would provide for us, yeah. which already goes beyond the hurts that we have. Yeah. He's taken account of that. So, when we're covered by our perfect shepherd, which we have, because that's what it says here, there's no lack, we have no wants, we have no need to fear, we have no reason to run from circumstances, past, present, or future, because we're covered. Yeah. We're covered. Yeah. So, what I think, what I think kind of the, the moral of the story is, with all of this is, well, I guess the main takeaway is like, who and what are we going to put our trust in? Yeah. Really? Really? And it's kind of like I was alluding to before. Like, we can either choose to put our trust in our past experiences and the fact that we've been hurt in the past and the fact that, you know, we're surrounded by human people that make mistakes and allow that to influence the way that we view our lives moving forward and allow that to influence the way that we view God because God allowed those people to have influence in our lives. Or we can say, you know what, those people were just vessels that God chose. They're human, they made mistakes, and I'm trusting in God always, no matter what, anyway. I, I think, I really think that's the moral of the story. And to say, you know, to say that I trust in God no matter what anyway entitles you to all of these promises that he's, he's laying out here. It entitles you to that covenant of peace. It entitles you to, to not having shame anymore. It entitles you to... You know, to the safety and to to being brought back into his fold and, and all of this type of stuff, um, you get to be one of his sheep. To to like to to put your trust more in, in your past hurts and your past experiences, and to make those such a big part of your life that they overshadow what God wants to do is essentially to to like forsake him as a shepherd. In, in some ways. I mean, he's still your shepherd. If you're a lost sheep, he's coming to get you. <laughs> like, he leaves the 99 to get the one. Like, he's coming after you. But he can be coming after you, and you can be actively, like, running running away after your own thoughts and desires, too. Um, and that's that's not what we want. God is God has a plan for each and every one of us in the sense that he desires us to have peace and safety and hope and you know, all of these good things that he's laying out for us. And, you know, some of them will be realized here in this life and some of them will be realized in eternity. But when it comes down to it, it's putting our trust in him above all things, no exceptions. That's what it's about. Yeah. No exceptions. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we finished the chapter. Woo-hoo. It only took us two weeks. But I also wanted to spend... Does everybody kind of get where we're at with this? is like the lens it can be a lens that you view the present exactly. through yeah yeah it is and so i just felt like um 
God is just kind of calling all of us to live a bitter free life. Yeah. Bitterness free. Yeah. Bitterness free life. And I just like once and for all is what I'm like hearing. And it's time to forgive anybody, all persons, even God included. Yourself included. Living or dead, who may have injured you, spoken evil towards you, done something, disappointed you, had an expectation that you had, and they failed that, or any way that someone has failed to truly represent the Father or Jesus correctly to you in your life, it's time, it's time to let go of that baggage, to take out the dirty laundry, and just chuck it, burn it, start fresh, buy a new wardrobe. And so, um, I know when we get talking about things that people have done or hurt us, the, the enemy is right there to say, well, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they did to me. If you knew, you would say it's okay, and I'm saying no. It's not. Because God has always called for people to be in reconciliation and in unity. And he's always wanting us to forgive. Always wanting us to let go. Because judgment is not ours to give. We were not created to hold on to any of that bitterness and judgment. It actually damages us, our spirits. And so it's time to let it go. Um, when, when God and I were talking about this, he reminded me of Esau and Jacob, the story of Esau and Jacob. And I was telling Matt about it, and I was like crying. And I was like, this is just so good. Because you guys know the story of Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob mm-hmm. stole Esau, Esau's birthright mm-hmm. and then ran away. And years and years and years go by, and he finally goes back into Esau's land, and he is terrified because he stole this man's birthright, his brother's birthright. And so he sends everyone out in front of him because he was very, very brave. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to send my wife and my kids and my cattle and my servants, everyone, and then I'm last. Because I'm terrified of what this man could do to me because he, he has a right to be angry at me. Yeah. So that's everything that Jacob is thinking. And when he meets Esau, Esau is so excited. He's like, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to my land, my brother. Let's make peace. Let's be back in communion. I'm so sad for all the years we've lost. Here, have part of my land. What else do you need? I'm here to give it to you. And God just broke me because he said, there's people that have done, you've done a little like bad against accidentally, and you're afraid of their reaction. But what if this could be their reaction? Yeah. What if this is our reaction when someone's done something and they come back to make peace and you're like, I was waiting for you. Yeah. Let's break bread. Like yeah. this is God's plan that no one is divided in his kingdom. That everybody is connected in unity. Yeah. That's his that's his goal. So we have to let go. We have to be like what well, Matt tells me all the time is water off a duck's back. Be a duck. Like, no bitterness, let none of it stick, let no record of wrong stick. It all has to just continue on, because we were not meant to carry it. And so I think I want to, I want to allow you guys a moment of silence to take some time and just to think, are there people you need to release, including yourself, including God, memories that you need to just let go of? So, like, close your eyes. Let's, I'll, I think we can spend five minutes just sitting. You don't have to conjure up anybody. You just, as a name, say, Father, I release them. 
Father Elise, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I love them. You love them. But it's time once and for all to let go of this record of wrong, because God doesn't look at us with a record of wrong. So why should we look at other people, including ourselves? So let's just take some time to release people, memories, and ourselves. And God, forgive God too.